Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton Thompson. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported more than 3,000 women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. Together, we'll break your past patterns and eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thanks for spending some of your time with me today. Saturdays, we talk about what is on your mind, what topics you want to hear about, what questions you have. So do not hesitate to reach out to me if there's something you're struggling with, if there's something you want to hear about, if there's something you've been looking for in terms of a of a previous episode, you can direct message me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton or shoot me an email, Elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Got lots of good topics today from my tiny house and somebody who's about to set off on an RV trip with kiddos. Uh, We're talking about rest. We're talking about journaling. We're talking about insulin, mindset, commitment, lots of stuff. But the first thing we're going to do is share what I'm giving away today. Very easy to win one of our weekly giveaways. Just leave a review of this podcast on whatever platform you listen. And you might not know this, you can review more than once. So let's say you listened to episode 903 and you loved it. You can leave a review for episode 903. You can say, I was just listening to 903, thought it was great, etc. The reviews are so helpful because as you know, there are bazillions of podcasts and a lot of people look at how it's rated and what people experience with it. So it's just an easy way to win what we give away every Saturday. Today we are giving away Sleep Plus. It's an all-natural sleep support supplement that does not contain melatonin, which I feel is very important because melatonin is a hormone. And when we supplement with it, we can alter our body's production or willingness to produce that hormone. So I am a huge fan of Sleep Plus. I'll also link it up in the show description in case you are not today's winner. I will link it in the show description. If for whatever reason you can't find that, just message me and I can give you the details. But it's all natural. It works so well for both sleep as well as relaxation. Right now, for me, I'm not a great sleeper in pregnancy. And so it is a (laughs) non-negotiable, absolutely positively non-negotiable for me. Yeah, that's what we're going to give away today. We will announce the winner at the end of the show. First question that came in is about how I have changed the way I'm eating since finding out that I am pregnant again. If you missed that, I am pregnant again and I am growing two babies at once this time, having twins. 
So this is really interesting. I've been reading a lot because with a twin pregnancy and having it be my third pregnancy in three years and having two C-sections within two years prior to this pregnancy, there are some concerns about my uterus, my risk for uterine rupture is higher, and I want to avoid things that are fairly common with twin pregnancies, like going on bed rest. If at all possible, I want to avoid that because I have Roman. Um, and preterm labor. I would like to have these babies grow healthy and strong inside me for as long as possible. So I've been doing a lot of research. Some of the things that can lead to preterm labor or bed rest or hospitalization, etc., things like preeclampsia, high blood pressure, protein in the urine, kind of a trifecta of symptoms. So I, whereas with my pregnancies before with Dagny and Roe, it's just sort of a like, eat as healthy as you possibly can kind of deal. But I've been doing a lot more research in this pregnancy to find out what is the way of eating that supports lower incidences of preterm labor, lower incidences of preeclampsia, and not really surprised to find that a lower carb diet is associated with reduced risk of those things. The tricky part about that in pregnancy, at least for pregnancy with me personally, is that a lot of times the fats and the proteins just upset my stomach or I have tremendous food aversions. And so where I'm at with it is kind of toughing it out and doing it anyway, even if it doesn't sit well with my stomach. Just just the amount of research that I have read and I've bought and read three or four books at this point that all support lower risks with a lower carb diet. So even if I don't feel like it, even if my stomach is upset, I'm trying to do my best with that. But of course, perfection is never my goal with anything. But it is really important to me because I just want these babies to be as healthy as possible and grow for as long as possible before they join us here. So with that said, what what has really changed, not a ton because I was doing that carnivore-ish experiment, uh, experiment before. So, you know, felt like it was pretty low carb before. But I would say in the first like six weeks or so, there was definitely more carbs. Uh, I was just more sick at that point and also hadn't done as much research at that point. Um, now I'm sort of back to that. I would say I'm probably eating a bit more because I'm a bit more hungry, but not not, I wouldn't say it would be like notable or anything. Um, definitely not so much right now, but earlier, probably 10, 11 o'clock at night, I was already in bed for a couple hours. I would come down and get a couple pieces of sharp cheddar cheese or something because I just felt like it would settle my stomach. So more eating at night than when I'm not pregnant um, and more protein because I just know how important that is. So I'm making sure to get in a protein shake every single day, no matter what. But yeah, I would say that's kind of what has changed food-wise, but really working hard to remain consistent with lower carb, which doesn't mean zero because A, vegetables are carbs, and B, I do have other things like sweet potatoes, 
um, and dairy products that absolutely have carbs. I'm looking here at my Greek yogurt that's in front of me that, yeah, has a handful of carbs in it. So it's not, it's not zero carbs and all research-based. So not doing anything that isn't soundly rooted in research. All right. The next question says, you've mentioned in a previous podcast, restorative rest, but I don't know what you meant by that. Yeah. So a lot of times we think of rest as rest. If we lay on the couch and watch two hours of Netflix, we're resting. But that doesn't mean that it is restorative. And when I say restorative, what I'm talking about is recharging you, replenishing you, uh, reinforcing energy reserves. So a lot of times people will do something that they consider resting when what they really need is to go to bed and go to sleep. TV or social media are great examples of that. Like, I'm just going to chill. I'm too tired. I need to rest. But what they really need is to go to sleep. And so that activity of being on social media or playing video games or watching TV is actually keeping them from what they need to recharge, to replenish, to restore. So meditation might be one that is a way to rest that restores you. Time outside could be a way to rest that restores you. But there are ways that we check out, that we do nothing, that we consider resting that aren't necessarily restoring us. And it will be different for every individual, but it is something to think about. Am I just putting off the type of rest I really need by checking out, but not really getting any benefit from this downtime? Again, the the most common thing that I see there is television for people. Next question says, I'm curious about Identity journaling. I just heard an episode on it and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Can you give a short explanation of what identity journaling is and how to get started? So I'm not sure if this is something you heard on my show. Uh, I had a physical journal called the Identity Journal. So maybe you heard me refer to that physical journal. Now uh, it has been replaced with the Changemakers Productivity and Fulfillment Journal. But in the original Identity Journal, it was really about touching base every day, and you can do this on a blank piece of paper, touching base every day with who do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be? What kind of life do I want to have? And what kind of choices do I need to make today in order to be more of that person today? So it really is very, very simply about bringing your awareness to who you want to be, the type of person you want to be, the type of life you want to have, and then translating into that into the choices that you will make today so that it's different from yesterday, so that you're moving in the direction of who and how you want to be. And there's a lot of that in the Changemakers Journal as well, which you can get right at primalpotential.com. Okay, this this question, I, I love talking about the science stuff. I love talking about hormones. This one's about insulin. It says, I keep listening to episodes on insulin. Mainly, I wonder, once it's stimulated, does it stay active, their word, not mine, until the next morning? It sounds like you need 24 hours to calm it down. I understand the information differently each time I hear it. So basically, this person is saying, if you eat something that causes an insulin response, 
is that insulin still active in your system for 24 hours? And the answer is maybe not really. Here's why. So the notion that like you could eat something that causes a blood sugar spike and insulin is deployed and and you eat nothing else for 24 hours but insulin remains high that is unlikely. That would be indicative of a, of a big problem, like an insulin resistance kind of problem. And even with insulin resistance, I think if you ate, let's just use an arbitrary example. You ate something at eight o'clock in the morning, say a bowl of Lucky Charms. Blood sugar goes up. Insulin is deployed to respond to the blood sugar. And you didn't eat anything else for 24 hours. And there's, there's a reason that I'm adding that caveat because it matters. It would be a sign of a very big problem if insulin was still elevated 24 hours later. The thing we need to remember, though, is we eat many times throughout the day. So what is more likely with people who are chronically consuming carbohydrates, over-consuming carbohydrates, and or overeating is you, let's just kind of throw out a random standard American diet kind of example. You have a breakfast sandwich in the morning, all right? Blood sugar goes up, insulin responds. Insulin because you're hopefully not insulin resistant, your body responds to the presence of insulin, brings blood sugar down, insulin starts to fall, then you have a snack, right? And maybe your snack is peanut butter crackers. Blood sugar goes up, insulin is deployed, and that happens over and over again for some people every couple of hours. And there are some people who eat even more frequently than that. And so it's this constant like pinging of insulin constantly. That is not ideal, all right? But in terms of how long does blood sugar stay elevated, how long does insulin stay elevated, it depends on a number of factors. It depends on what you ate. So if I have a pear, that is different than if I have a bowl of Lucky Charms or a stack of pancakes, right? Because a pear has less sugar than the bowl of Lucky Charms, than the stack of pancakes, my blood sugar will rise more with the bowl of Lucky Charms or the stack of pancakes and more insulin is needed to clear that. So it depends on what you ate. It also depends on how much you ate. If you have one pancake, that's different than if you have a stack of three pancakes. If you have one pancake that you made at home that's three inches in diameter, that is a very different thing than if you had a pancake from a restaurant that's seven inches in diameter right? So what you ate, how much you ate, your activity level, your blood sugar is going to get higher, stay higher for longer. Insulin's going to take longer to work. If you're just like sitting around, then if you had the pancake and then went out for a walk with your family, right? Because your muscles are going to be using some of that in most cases with your activity or if you went to the gym, etc. So those things are factors. The other thing that's a big factor is your carbohydrate tolerance and your insulin sensitivity. Somebody who is borderline insulin resistant or insulin resistant, even if they don't know it, but somebody who is metabolically unhealthy, again, whether they know it or not, it's going to take longer for them to clear that sugar from their bloodstream. That is why there are things like glucose tolerance tests. It's common in pregnancy, but 
I think it would absolutely be uh, something people would look at if they were considering if, if somebody was a diabetic or not, a type 2 diabetic or not. So this is why you want your blood sugar to return to a baseline level within at least two hours of starting your meal. So let's say that you have avocado toast, right? You want to know, if you're concerned about this, you want to know what your blood sugar was at baseline before you ate fasting, first thing when you woke up in the morning, right? Then you want to know what your blood sugar was an hour later so you can see how much, an hour after you eat, how much did this meal raise my blood sugar? And then you want to test again at two hours, did it get down to baseline or lower or not? Now you're looking at blood sugar, not insulin, but you can deduce a lot by those numbers, all right? So there's no way to say like, you need X number of hours to calm it down because there's so many different individualized factors. And the other thing is, when somebody says it sounds like you need 24 hours to calm it down, it's like, well, that doesn't make sense at all because for most people, you're continuing to eat throughout the day. This is why we want to really aim to keep blood sugar stable and not have these swings because of a meal that either had a lot of carbohydrate or not enough protein or not enough fat or both, a lot of sugar. So those are the kinds of factors that come into play there. All right. This next question says, I have been revisiting your tiny house episodes as I will be living in an RV for the next few months. I would love some lessons learned slash, per, slash perspective on meal prep slash space saving ideas for keeping my fridge stocked and making choosing the right options easy. So if you didn't know this, I had a tiny house custom built a handful of years back and lived in it by myself and absolutely loved it. It was this gorgeous tiny house and uh, I lived in it for just over a year. It was amazing. I, I would have lived in it quite happily for longer, but there are all sorts of rules in the state where I live about where it can legally be. And also I found the house that I'm in now and that just made a lot of sense. I will say this. Number one, I was single, not single, I was with Chris, but I was living alone when I lived in the tiny house, which makes the food thing a whole lot easier. Uh, and I didn't have kids. And I know the person asking this question uh, is married with kids. And so that's, you know, a very different situation from space saving, meal prep. I personally treated food very much the same way. I cooked breakfast, I cooked dinner, I cooked lunch, one at a time, the same way I would living in a normal house, the space wasn't a big deal. The other thing that was a huge benefit to me in my situation, which may or may not be the case in any given RV, is I had a full kitchen. So I had a four burner gas stove. I had a full size refrigerator. So I didn't have to worry about having a smaller fridge or only having a cooktop or anything like that. I didn't have a microwave, but even now I, I very rarely microwave things. So that wasn't a huge deal. In terms of keeping the fridge stocked and making choosing the right options easy, my thoughts are kind of the same as if it was not an RV kind of situation. Number one, have a plan 
It's going to be, especially if space is tight, it's going to be very important not to just arbitrarily pick things up at the grocery store, which I think a lot of things do, and then put meals together from that, but really look at what snacks do I want to have for the kids? What snacks do I want to have for myself? What are we going to be doing for breakfast? What are we going to be doing for lunch? What are we going to be doing for dinner? And plan your shopping around that. One of the things I was talking to my mastermind about the other day, and I'm going to do an episode about this in the month of May, there's a really big difference between having a plan and being prepared, right? So having a plan might look like, yep, I I planned out all those things, but being prepared might be that you, as soon as the veggies come into the RV, you chop them up according to how they're going to be used. And that can really help with storage if space is limited. If instead of, you know, a stock of celery and a bag of onions, you've now cut 40 celery sticks for snacks and those are in a Tupperware and you've minced the rest of the celery and it's combined with the minced onions in another, you know, glass container or whatever that's going to take up less space and you're going to be more prepared for whatever it is that you have to cook. Um, I think breaking things down in the fridge in the way that you intend to use them versus going to the grocery store, throwing everything into the fridge, and then you still have the work to do of gathering ingredients, prepping, etc. So maybe you can just have a routine of when the groceries come in, you take... 30 minutes, an hour, whatever you need to prep those ingredients for however you tend you intend to use them over the next period of time. The other thing is with an RV, instead of doing a week at a time, you might need to operate in like three or four day intervals. So you're planning for just three-ish days at a time instead of a week at a time. There just can't be any accumulation of unused stuff right? So the things that tend to add up, you've got to have a plan for. The things like salad dressings or condiments or anything like that that can remain unused. But I really think that breaking things down instead of just putting them in the fridge however you intend to use them can go a long way for that. But I loved living in a tiny house. I had so much less stuff. I really believe that you'll expand to fill the space that you're in. And (laughs) having a tiny house was amazing for that because I do not like stuff. I do not like stuff. I'm a minimalist. All right. Next question says, how can I change my mindset to get my health moving in the right direction? I feel like the biggest thing here is every single day, be asking yourself what improvement you can make. This is why I love the Change Makers Journal because it, it leads you through that process every single day that you open it up, right? Who do I want to be? What am I going to do today? What is an action step that I will take today to move towards that? You have to shift from a general intention to get healthy to a specific focus for the day you're in on what you will do to make that day a little bit better than the day before. It really can be that simple. If you want a tool to guide you through that so you're not like trying to remember every day to choose that that way of thinking, get the Changemakers Journal. The last question, and then we will announce who is winning Sleep Plus today. How do I maintain a commitment to myself? Every damn day, just like I just said to the last question, you ask yourself what that needs to look like today. And you have no drama 
around the fact that there will be imperfect days. You don't get all in a huff about it. You don't, what's wrong with me? Why did I do this again? None of that. None of that drama. None of that wasted energy. Every day, you bring with you that question, what do I need to do today to take care of myself? What do I need to do today? What am I able and willing to do today to make today better than yesterday, to move in the direction of my goals? I say it all the time because it's very, very true. I I was struggling with this after my daughter died. And it is how the Change Maker's Journal came to be because it just either wasn't on my mind or I wasn't motivated to do it. And it felt like I had to make all these big changes at once. And that's not how I operate. I needed something that was going to help me keep it really simple and really actionable. And so I created what is the pages inside the Change Maker's Journal. I shared it with some people on my team. They really benefited from it too in the way that it kept it really simple. And then we made it available to all of you. So that's that's where it came from. I think it's a really amazing tool for it. Do you have to use it? No. But if you're not going to use it, then you have to build through repetition the discipline of bringing that inquiry every single day. I don't have to do everything today, but I have to do something today. What is that something going to be? All right. The winner today left a five-star review of the podcast. Thank you so much. You are winning Sleep Plus. All you have to do is email me, Elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Within 60 days of this episode airing, tell me you were the winner for 974. Include your mailing address. The winner is Davy 2727 D-A-V-I-E-2727. Email me, Elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Include your mailing address. Doesn't matter where in the world you are. Tell me you were the winner for 974, and I'll get it out to you, no matter where you live. You can win next week. Just leave a review of this podcast on whatever platform you listen. And lastly, if you have questions, topics, something that would be helpful to hear about on the show, let me know. Email me, Elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Direct message me on Instagram. You can find me there at Elizabeth Benton. We got lots of good episodes coming up for you in the next few weeks, but I really want to know what you want to hear about. And we'll talk about it on a Saturday show. Okie dokie. Last thing, I know I just said lastly, but one more thing, the Dagny Foundation. That is the foundation Chris and I launched uh, as a way to honor our daughter Dagny and support families who are navigating infant crisis and infant loss. Right now we are gearing up for our second annual 5K walk run. It is also virtual. So if you aren't near to us, you can still participate. I would really love your support. I would love to get 5% of the people who listen to this podcast to register to walk wherever they are virtually or in person, or just make a donation. So if if this podcast has been valuable to you in any way, please check out the show description. It will have the link for this event coming up. You can, again, participate in person, participate from wherever you are in the world, or you can just make a donation. And I, if you've been hearing this and you haven't yet done it, I would like to humbly ask that you help us support other families and keep um, our daughter's legacy alive. So check out the show description. We will talk to you soon. Make it a great day. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time.